Father, thank you for your great faithfulness. We're thankful for the promise that your mercy is new every morning. It's fresh. It's, it's never depleted. It's never lacking. You are everything that we need. We are thankful to know, thankful for this record that we have in your word of your faithfulness over many thousands of years. And we're trusting you. We want you to know this morning as we stand here as your people, we're trusting you. We're trusting you to do it again. We're trusting that when we place our lives in your hands that you will never leave us. That you will always love us that you hear and answer our prayer. Thank you, Father, for these truths that you reveal to us by your Spirit, through your Word. And we ask this morning as we take some time to look at what it has to say to us, that we would hear your voice, that you would strip away everything that is not you. We might hear you today, that we might be drawn closer, that we might be comforted for those who are hurting That those who are far away would be drawn close. For those that have walked away would be pulled back. We would be overwhelmed by your grace and mercy in the person of Jesus Christ today. Thank you for this privilege to have this time together, Lord. We ask your blessing in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks, folks. You can have a seat. There are a whole lot of things in this world that you just can't be sure of. You know what I mean? A whole lot of things that are variable, that change from one week to the next, from one day to the next, maybe one hour of the, to the next. So when you can find something that you can latch on to, you, to that you know is true all of the time, I recommend that you grab it and hang on to it. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that my wife loves me. That's one of the things in my life. And there's a lot of ways that I could tell you how I know that, but the one I'm going to tell you about this morning is the fact that she constantly forgives me. Well, usually I say puts up with me, but we're talking about forgiveness today, so I'll say forgives me. I... I know that you guys sit out there and you look at me and you think, wow, what a great guy. I know that's what you're thinking. (laughs) But I have to admit in this context that I am not perfect. And there are occasionally times when Melody asks me to do something and occasionally I forget to do those things. And she forgives me. There are times when I do things that are annoying and she forgives me. Sometimes it's not instantaneous, but eventually we get there. (laughs) And I am guessing, I'm reasonably sure that there are no perfect relationships out there. And I'm not just, yeah, I know, Jay, you, you, you got a gem there and Lisa, and I'm sure that her forgiveness works overtime some weeks, but <laughs> there are no perfect relationships, and I'm not just talking about marriage relationships either. I mean any kind of relationship. 
the relationship between friends, the relationships between siblings, the relationships between coworkers. There are no perfect relationships, and the only way that relationships can continue over any kind of significant period of time is forgiveness. Because we always, we're constantly doing things that set the person on the other side of the relationship off. We screw up, we let each other down, we get angry or impatient. And the only way that we can maintain any kind of relationship is by forgiving. And there has to be a pattern of forgiveness. It can't just be one time. It's ongoing. Long-term relationships cannot be governed by ultimatums. You've heard people do ultimatums before, right? Well, look, if you do this, you've probably given them to your kids. I bet there's somebody here this morning that gave their kids an ultimatum in the last 45 minutes. (laughs) If you do that one more time, this is over. (laughs) But we cannot maintain relationships on the basis of ultimatums. There has to be forgiveness. Now, over the last few weeks, we have been seeing God in the Scripture as the ultimate promise keeper. He has always covenanted with his people. If you take time to go back into the Scripture all the way back to Genesis, you will see very early on that God chose to relate to his people through covenants, and these covenants were always based on promises. If you look at Abraham, if you look at Isaac, if you look at Jacob, if you look at David, God made promises to his people. These are the things that I will do. And he has made many promises to us. And this morning we're going to look at one of them. We're going to look at the fact that God has promised to forgive us. He's promised to forgive us continually, daily, hourly, or such as the case may be. Because he knows that we're not perfect, even as Christ followers. I say this often, Tim says it often, there are two groups of people in this room this morning. There are those who are Christ followers, and there are those who are not. Those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, who have been forgiven, whose blood has cleansed their hearts from sin, they've entrusted their lives to him, and there are those that don't have that relationship. But God knows that even as Christ followers, even when we give our hearts to him, even when we establish that relationship based on the blood of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us, we're still not perfect. And in order to maintain the relationship, there must be forgiveness. Here's what I want you to be thinking about this morning over the next few minutes as we dig into the scripture, that when we confess our sin, the promise keeper will always forgive. Isn't that good to know? When we confess our sin, the promise keeper will always forgive. That is his promise to us. Oh, yeah, I get it, Mike, but... (laughs) If you knew what was back there or in here or in here, I don't know. Now I'm telling you, friends, 
when we confess our sin, the promise keeper will always forgive. Let's look at John, First John, chapter one, rather. We're going to see what God has to say about this. First John, chapter one. I'm going to read four or five verses for you this morning. I'm going to start in verse five. And what I want you to see as we read through these, we're going to just walk through them, take a couple of minutes on each verse, kind of walk through them, and then we'll put it all together at the end. But what I want you to see, that at issue here is our fellowship with God. Okay? Now, hold that thought in your mind, and let's start. Verse 5 of 1 John 1. This is the message that we have heard from Him, that is Christ, and proclaim to you that God is light, And in him is no darkness at all. We have to start here, okay? This is the basis for our need of forgiveness. Because God is light and in him is no darkness at all. In other words, God is holy. He is perfect. He has no sin, okay? And we are not, (laughs) okay? God's perfect, he's holy, we are not. Let's look at verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So here's the reality of the situation. It is impossible for us to walk with God, as John says, to walk in the light when we have sin in our hearts. Okay, did you get that? It's impossible for us to walk with God, to walk in the light, if we have sin in our hearts. Now, what John is saying is this. You notice this in the verse. It's right there. He says, if we say we have no sin, then what are we doing? We're lying. (laughs) We're lying. Because we all have sin in our hearts, don't we? We all have seeds of bitterness Seeds of anger, seeds of selfishness, seeds of lust, seeds of jealousy, seeds of hatred. John says, look, here's the deal. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with God, that we have no sin, we're lying. Okay, we're lying. Because we're sinful. We're sinful human beings. We can try to fool other people. And we do like to fool other people. But we're lying. It's not reality. Look at verse 7. But, John is going back and forth on both sides of this issue. Both sides of this discussion. But, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So this is why, I want you to see here in verse 7, this is why this issue is so important. This understanding what this means, that, that God offers us forgiveness, daily forgiveness, because notice here from verse 7 that at issue is not just our fellowship with God, but our fellowship with who? With each other. Okay, look at the verse. That's the issue. Our fellowship with God and our fellowship with each other. 
It is possible for us to do this, he says. We can walk in the light. We can have fellowship with God. We can have fellowship with each other. Why can we do that? Because, what does the verse say? Because the blood of Christ cleanses us. Now, if we're going to take time, we're going to lay out the whole book of 1 John, and we're going to talk about uh, when he wrote it and who he wrote it to and all those things, we would find out that John is writing this book to believers. He's writing this book to people who have a relationship with God. So he's not talking about the forgiveness that we receive at salvation here. He's not talking about that. These people that he's writing to, and many of you that I'm talking to this morning, are already Christ followers. If you have trusted Christ as your salvation, you have already received forgiveness for your sins. So he's talking about something more here. Let's look at verse 8. Keep going. Stick with me. It's all going to come together here in a moment. Look at verse 8. If we say we have no sin... John's back on the side of it again. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, why do you think that John wrote that? Why did the Holy Spirit inspire John when he was writing this book to write that? Isn't that exactly what he said in verse 6? Why is he saying it again? I think that John is giving us a little bit of a reminder here. A little bit of a reminder. Because this is what we like to say. We like to say this to other people. And what John is referring to in verse 8 is, we like to say this to ourselves. What do we like to say? You know what we like to say? We like to say, God and I are okay. We're all right. Everything between me and God is good. We like to say that to other people. When other people come up to us, well-meaning friends or brothers or sisters in Christ, people that are concerned about us, people that we go to church with or people that are in our small groups or people that are in our families, and they say, how are you doing? How are things between you and God? How is your relationship with God? What do we like to say? It's all good. We're doing good. It's okay between me and God. But not only do we like to say that to other people, we like to say that to ourselves, don't we? Okay. It's good. I'm in a good place. But John says... If we are to sit here and say we don't have a daily sin problem, what are we doing? Look at the verse. We're deceiving who? Ourselves. We're deceiving ourselves. This is what John is saying, my friends. This is what cannot happen. I cannot come to the place in my daily walk with God, my daily relationship with God, my daily life where I say, oh, that sin thing, not a problem anymore. There was a time 
oh boy, there was a time back here when, but now I've got it covered. I've got it taken care of. It's not an issue. John says we deceive ourselves. Now notice he says we deceive ourselves. We don't deceive God. (laughs) We'll talk about that again in a second. We deceive ourselves. Now the word deceive here literally means to wander. To wander. As in we're wandering away from the truth. And this is what we like to do because it's comfortable for us. We like to wander around in this little bit of error that we're okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? It looks like nobody has a clue what I'm talking about, so I'll tell you what I'm talking about. We like to wander around in that area. We like to to wander around and say, Woo, this is great. I love this place. God loves me, and I'm okay. We like wandering around in that error because it's comfortable. It feels good. It feels good to say, I don't have a sin problem anymore. I'm a good person. And we minimize sin. We say it's not that big a deal. By the way, we, we promote that in our culture by talking about things like little white lies. They're not quite so bad as, I don't know what, the big black ones, I guess. It's just the government. They're going to mishandle my money if I give it to them anyway. So I'll take the cash under the table or I won't report that income. We minimize sin. Or else, this is a popular pastime in our world today, we blame it on someone else. Well, I wouldn't have done that if I hadn't have had this happen to me. I wouldn't act this way if this person hadn't mistreated me in my past. If they had done what they were supposed to do, then I would do what I was supposed to do. We like that place because it feels good. It makes us feel good about ourselves. But John says when we do it, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. The word truth there means reality. The reality is not in us. It's not real. It's not true. So here's where we are. Without admission of our sin... We live in this fantasy land where everyone can do whatever they want and whatever they think is right or whatever we do or whatever is happening is just the way we are. I had a buck for every time I heard somebody say that. It's just the way I am. that's when we are where we are when there's no admission of sin. But here's the problem with that, guys. And this is all going to flip here in about 30 seconds. The problem with that is there's no hope in that. There's no hope in it. 
Well, I'm doing this because this person did that to me. Well, there's nothing we can do about that. Well, I'm living this way because it's just the way I am. There's no hope in that. So you want to live like that the rest of your life? There's no hope there. If all of those things are true, then there's nothing that can be done. But, and here is verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we have a choice. We can wander around in fantasy land where all the daisies and buttercups are and say, Woo, this is comfortable. I'm okay. It's just the way I am. I'm just a product of my environment. Or, and live there the rest of our lives, and nothing can be done about anything. Or, John says, we can confess our sin, and God, the great promise keeper, the faithful one, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from that unrighteousness. And we can live a different way. The word confess is a very interesting word. It means literally to speak the same or to agree. It means to declare yourself guilty of what you're accused of. Now, that's not a fun thing to do. That's not fun. To say, yep, I did it. To take responsibility. But this is the promise that God has provided a way to restore our relationship and He will forgive us. And this promise is not in case we sin. This promise is Because we are sinners. You see the difference there, right? This is not something to put in your back pocket in case you happen to someday between now and the day you die do something wrong. No, this is something you smack down on the table in front of you every day because you are a sinner and so am I. But if we are willing to admit to God that we are sinners and he will forgive us. Here's the thing. We're not telling God anything he doesn't already know. (laughs) He knows our sin. He knows our guilt. He knows our shame. He knows all of it. And when we agree with God that we are sinful, that we have sinned, he forgives us and he cleanses us. The word forgive means to, to send it away. Some of you may have heard the, the, of the verse in Psalm 103 where it says, He removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. Anybody ever heard that verse before? Does anyone know how far the east is from the west? <laughs> no cartographers in the group here today? If you head east... You're going to keep going east for the rest of your life. 
okay? Contrary to what some conspiracy theorists think, the earth is in fact round, and you will just keep going 25,000 miles around and around the equator. He removes our sin as far as east is from the west. And that's what this word means. He sends it away. It's gone. It's done. It's over. It's taken care of. He forgives our sin. And the next word, I love this next word, and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. The word cleanse, as you might imagine, means to make clean. It, it implies to, to remove the filth. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but sometimes after you take out the trash, there's still some residue, okay? Once in a while, it is a good idea to reach under the sink and not just take that garbage bag out, but take the garbage can out. And what you will find there is the residue of the filth that was inside. And you got to scrub it out. You got to cleanse it. You got to clean it all. Hot water, soap, scrub, elbow grease. We have a dumpster on our road, our road association. We share this dumpster, and it happens to be right almost across from my driveway. And once a month, the guy comes with a big truck, and he, you know, backs up to it, and hooks onto it, and they take that dumpster and they, they dump it up in, and the in the top flaps open and all the garbage comes out. But at this time of year, when everything is frozen, the guy takes this big steel pole with a little metal hook on the end of it, and he's digging up in there, get everything that's frozen to the bottom of the dumpster. And he came and did that the other day. And and uh, emptied it, and it was full, it was overflowing, we got a bunch of families on our road, and everybody makes a lot of garbage, I guess, and so it was overflowing, and he came and emptied it, and later that day, I had something to put in the dumpster, I said, oh good, the dumpster is empty, and I went out, and I flipped the top open, and I looked inside, and guess what? It was not clean, it was all manner of stuff frozen to the bottom of that dumpster. I'm not looking forward to the day when it thaws out and, you know. You got to clean it. And that's the promise, that he not only forgives us, <clears throat> excuse me, but he cleanses us, makes us clean. Now, I don't know, I hope I'm not stretching things here with this passage a little bit, but when I read this verse... And I see that not only does God forgive me, but he cleanses me from all unrighteousness. I see some tenderness here. I see some tenderness. For those of you that were parents, our parents, our grandparents, and you bring that little one home, and you give them your first bath at home, you remember that? at the little plastic tub or you just put them in the sink. And you fill that up with water. And what do you do? What do you do before you put the baby in there? You make sure it's just right. Make sure the water is just right. You don't want it too hot because their skin is so sensitive. 
some nice gentle soap in there. You get the softest cloth you can find. Why? Because you love that baby. And you want them to be clean. And that's what I picture when I read this verse. He doesn't just forgive us, friends. He doesn't take a SOS pad, cloth, and a bunch of comet. He cleanses us. Why? Because he loves us. He wants us to be clean. When you confess your sin, the promise keeper will always forgive. Now, this promise isn't a license to sin. Oh, he's going to keep forgiving us, so we're going to keep sinning. This promise is a reason to love and serve our God more faithfully. Because what kind of God is there besides the almighty God who created heaven and earth, who when we sin against him, comes and says, I still love you. this to be fixed between you and me and forgives us. Sinful actions are not becoming to the Christ follower. Salvation brings us into God's presence surely, but confession helps keep the way clear between us and God. John calls us to walk in the light, but walking in the light doesn't mean we're perfect. Walking in the light means we see things the way that God sees them. We call sin what it is. We hate our sin, and we call it by name. And we agree with him that it is wrong. And with his strength, we turn away from it. That's what it means to walk in the light. Now, as we close here, I want you to just be mindful of a couple of things. Confession and the cleansing blood of Christ means two things. These are the things you need to put under your hat. Confession and the cleansing blood of Christ means two things. Here's the first one. Number one, all your sins are forgiven, and God does not hold them against you. You've been acquitted Because of Christ's sacrifice, you are no longer guilty before God. Your sin is forgiven, past, present, and future. That's what this means. Whenever you think, whenever you think that God is in heaven holding your sin against you, do you know what you're doing? You're making God like you, and he is not like you. You're making God like humans because that's what we do. We hold the wrongs that people commit against us against them, don't we? Even sometimes when we say we've forgiven them, we really haven't. God doesn't do that. Here's the second thing. Confession in the cleansing blood of Christ means that there is an ongoing reminder to your conscience of the wrongness of sin and the faithful love of God. As an ongoing reminder. Because if you remember 
what Tim talked about three weeks ago and what Tim talked about two weeks ago and what I talked about last week and what I'm telling you right now is this, friends, God wants a relationship with you, a daily interaction with you. If there was no confession of sin, if this was not an issue between us and God, that would be like saying, okay, God forgave me back when, two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, whenever I came to Christ, and that was it. It was a transaction. It's completed. It's over and done. Now I'm just going on my own way. That's not what God wants. He wants this daily interaction between you and him. He wants you to be, as we talked about last week, progressing in holiness. Remember that big word we talked about last week? Sanctification. Progressing in holiness. Becoming more and more like Christ. This is good timing because we're going to celebrate communion today. And the beauty of both aspects of the cleansing blood of Christ are exactly what we celebrate at the communion table. We're celebrating the fact that all of our sins are forgiven and that God doesn't hold it against us. We're thankful for Christ's sacrifice and our salvation. But we're also looking ahead to the day when we stand before him in heaven. And the need for daily forgiveness will be over. In our sanctification, our progressing in holiness will be complete. That, my friends, will be a great day. I'm looking forward to the day when I don't have to constantly be falling to my knees and asking God to forgive me because of my sin. I'm thankful that I can right now, but it'll be great one day when I don't have to do that, when I'm standing before Christ. And so we're going to give thanks for Christ's death on the cross, and we're going to look forward to his return as we celebrate communion today. I want to read a couple of verses for you from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. This is the Apostle Paul talking about communion. I know that maybe some of you are here this morning and you you don't really know what communion even is, or maybe you've been places where people have celebrated communion before, but you haven't really fully understood it. This is Paul talking about it. He says, I received from the Lord what I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you, Do this in remembrance of me. So there was a time when Jesus was with the disciples before he went to the cross. They were having dinner. And so Christ, the master teacher, took what was at hand. He reached across the table. He took this bread and he said, this is like my body that's going to be broken for you. And he took the bread and he broke it. And he gave them each a piece. And then it says, in the same way he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup. He said, this is like my blood. It wasn't his blood. The bread wasn't his body. Never has been and it never will be. But they were symbols. So when you drink this cup, 
It's like you're experiencing my blood cleansing your hearts from sin. It was a symbol of what God was going to do through Christ for us. Pay the price for our sin. Verse 26 says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So every time we do this, when we come together, we're giving thanks for what Christ has done. When we take the bread, when we take the cup, we're saying, Thank you, Christ, for your sacrifice for me. Verse 27, notice this. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. You know what Paul is talking about here? Anybody know? Can you guess? Confession. (laughs) What we just talked about. Sin in our hearts. He says, don't come to the table. Don't come here and take this bread and take this cup and give thanks when you have sin here that needs to be dealt with. And so he says, examine yourself. And so it's appropriate for us, in the moments before we take communion together, to examine ourselves and make sure that there's no sin there that needs to be confessed. That's what Paul is talking about. Confess your sin, ask for forgiveness, restore your relationship, and then come and give thanks for what Christ has done. And that's what we're going to do this morning. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Christ, then communion really doesn't have any meaning for you. It has meaning for those who have trusted Christ and accepted his sacrifice for salvation. And so we're going to have the guys come. They're going to come down to the front, and we're going to pray, and they're going to pass out the bread as it comes to you. If you want to participate in communion this morning, take a piece Pass it along to the next person. If you don't want to participate, then just go ahead and pass it along. After you've taken the bread, while the music is praying, playing, rather, uh, go ahead and eat it, and the guys will come and they'll pass out the cup, and you can do the same thing. If you want to participate, take a cup. If you don't, just pass it along to the next person. Father, thank you for your goodness to us in the person of Christ. Thank you for the salvation that we have, the forgiveness that we have in him. Thank you for his blood that cleanses our hearts. And this morning as we come before you, we pray that that you would see us, because of Christ, as worthy of this relationship that we have with you. May our hearts not soon forget the things that we have heard, and may we be careful to always come before you, to be willing to admit our sin, to agree with you and allow your blood, the blood of Christ to cleanse us. Thank you for these moments that we can have to reflect. Thank you for Christ. Thank you for the future that we have that is promised us. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. God has blessed me with a wonderful earthly father. My dad is great. I love him. And there has never been a moment in my life when I wasn't fully convinced that I was his son. But there's been a few times in the course of my life when I have done things that I shouldn't have done. (laughs) There are a few times when I disobeyed him. 
sometimes mildly or secretly or deceptively, and other times just right out, I didn't want to do it, and I didn't do it. Never doubted that I was his son, but there was a few times when there was something between me and him because of my disobedience. And until I cleared that up, until I was willing to admit what I had done, it was difficult. That's what we have with God, my friends. We have a relationship that never ends. The promise keeper will always hold you as his child, and that will never change. That relationship is never broken. Sometimes it's distant because of our sin, but never broken. Because of this wonderful promise that we have of confession and daily forgiveness, we can fix that. (laughs) We can rectify that because of his grace. We can confess our sin, and he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. If you're a Christ follower this morning, you will always be a Christ follower. If you're his child, you will always be his child. But don't let things stand between you and him. Don't let things make you distant. Don't let your sin cause you to miss the blessing that God has for you. He is faithful. He has not only done it once, not only twice, not a thousand times. He will always do it again because he is faithful. Father, thank you for your faithfulness to us. We are thankful that you are the great promise keeper. Not just the great promise maker, but the great promise keeper. Thank you for the blood of Christ that cleanses our hearts from sin. Once for all at the cross, then each day as we walk with you, as we stray from your best for us, when we say yes to ourselves instead of yes to Jesus Christ, we can come humbly and admit our sin and reestablish that communication between us and you. Thank you for that. Thank you for your word. Thank you for its truth to our hearts. This morning, Father, as we go from here, may we not soon forget what we have heard, but may we apply it to our hearts. May we live it in this community before all those folks that you have in front of us, all of those who need to know your love. I pray that you will give us the strength that we need, the courage that we need to do what is right and to follow you closely. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for coming this week, folks. Hope you have a great week.